Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm excellent. How about you? Great. All right. So we've spent a lot of time on this show telling people about uh, how to find alternative investments, maybe how to buy them, uh, how to raise money for them, things like that. We haven't talked a lot about what to do, like literally the day after you close. You're, you're not just done. You didn't just make all the money then. Man, that would be nice. Right. But I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of things that happen after you actually close. In fact, most of the stuff happens. All of the stuff. Practically. After you close. So I thought today we could get into that a little bit. Um, maybe we start with real estate. We'll probably end up doing a show on if you buy a business because that's that's a whole nother layer of complications. Um, what do you think? So we should we talk about, hey, what happens after you sign all the paperwork when you buy a real estate property? Yeah, we don't have a backup option, option here. That's the only topic we discuss. So might good, as well go for it. I'm glad you're in agreement. So, okay, yeah. so then let me just kick it off. So you, you find a, I don't know, you find a multi multi-family uh, you know a building in your town you've you've done everything you've found the deal you found the money you've raised the capital you you bought it you signed the paperwork Woo-hoo! good job congrats but you're not done you, by the way I, i'm assuming there's a closing dinner yeah well you gotta have a closing dinner. you gotta go to the local steakhouse right with your, your family and just yeah cheers everybody which i, I think i said this before but it's always funny because you're you're basically celebrating that you you paid the most money for this property <laughs> out of a you know bidded process yeah congratulations don't get too excited yeah but you know it's a it, it's an accomplishment and so you want to recognize that you okay. have to celebrate uh, those moments in life okay great so you come home from the closing dinner you go to bed you wake up the next morning what happens what do you do like well literally what do you oh do oh my day? goodness you panic because you just realized you bought this giant piece of property. Yeah, you probably don't even sleep that well because you're yeah. like, what did I just do? But what, what happens, you know, at eight o'clock the next morning? Well, so hopefully you have, you know, prepared for this a little bit and you have a transition in place. And and when I first started buying stuff, I, I never did this properly. I always just was focused on the acquisition and trying to close it and get the debt. And it's just, you know, your hair's on fire trying to close the thing. Yeah. And then you buy it and you're like, Oh crap. oh, crap, right? We're way behind. We should have done <laughs> all this stuff prior to closing. And, and now you, even though you're not quite sure you're going to end up closing it, right? Because sometimes you back out the, the week before. Sure. You should always pretend like- Have you a know, plan. Have a plan. When you're two weeks, three weeks out, have a plan like you are buying that thing and your team is going to be in place when you close. So there's not chaos trying to scramble to get the rent and the keys and yada, yada. So, okay. Sage advice. The first thing you should do is you should have the keys. Well, right? how do, but how do you get the keys? <laughs> Like well, lots of times it's at closing. So, uh, really, really, sometimes oh, no kidding. They'll like hand you the keys. Yeah. They'll literally hand you the keys or sometimes if it's a remote closing, right, this person could be, you know, out of the country for all, you know, they could be overnighting stuff like the deed or what have you to title or the escrow company. Right. And so it's there in safekeeping. And once you sign all the documents, you wire the money, then they release, you know, these documents, the keys, whatever to you. So you now are the owner. Okay. That, that's crazy. I, I love that there's just physical keys that gets transferred. I mean, that's just yeah. funny to me. I mean, and I mean, the first thing you do is probably change the locks anyway, right? Yeah, because you it. assume they have copies of the keys. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? I've never done that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I figure this person just got a lot of money. Uh, they probably yeah, don't, they don't need to rob, they don't need to rob you know, the, the basement shed. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. funny. So okay. you get the keys and then you, the first, first and foremost, you got to make sure the tenants know. But you got to make sure the tenants know there's a there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, and, and how, do you, how do you do that? You usually just pass out a notice. You have uh, either the current owner do it the day of or the the day prior, 
if you're courageous. You, right? you, you wait up until that point. I mean, I guess you have to, right? Yeah, because you don't know if you're going to own it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, then you have this person or somebody, you know, pass out these notices. You could mail them, right? Um, if you're close in close proximity to the property. And that, that notice says, hey, hey, guys, there's a new owner. And here's the name of the entity that owns the property that do you're going to be. Do you put a picture of yourself on those notices? Uh, yeah, I've yet to do that. <laughs> I most of the time don't want anybody to know who I am. I'm picturing you with like a thumbs up. Like, hey, guys, I'm your new owner. No, like, it's funny. I uh, you, I go to great lengths to try to, you know, prevent them from knowing who oh, I am. I see. So it's right? not like signed Brad. It's signed like you're. you're well, yeah, because it's like there's a lot of families and tenants and not everybody is rational yeah right yeah they might not like you they don't want you don't want them having your home address and home phone number <laughs> here's my cell call me anytime <laughs> like yeah great I'm, i mean it, sell. it sounds nice or like i'm gonna service the heck out of these apartments yeah but then you realize you know people are gonna call you at all hours of the day like my blinds are wrinkled my toilet flushes slowly. Well, that's your fault. You should fix that. <laughs> well, so, so, okay. So you notify the tenants and that literally, I just find this so funny, I guess, but it's like, you literally, like there's like a yeah, physical. This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are the only people that find. <laughs> so wait, you just physically hand out a piece of paper that says, Hey, we have a new owner and people probably just rip it up and throw it away. They don't care. Yeah. Well, until they get evicted because they're sending the rent to the wrong place. Oh, good. Oh, I see. So the notice also says, Hey, here's who you need to make make checks payable to and yeah. here's the address. And, and if you're super slick, I would, um, you know, I would try to transition people over to ACH payments if possible. It's, yeah. it's painful in that first step, but yeah. you know, it's, it, it's a transition pe period for the tenant. They kind of understand, okay, well there's a new owner. There's going to be some changes. And we require ACH, which yeah. like ensures that you get paid each month. Which you can totally do that, right? Sometimes you need to wait a certain amount of days depending on the state right? That you're operating in. And by the way, don't sue us if uh, you take any of this advice and yeah. you, you know, the state yeah. comes after you. Clearly do not act on anything we actually talk about. Yeah. Here. I mean, this is just <laughs> all theoretical. Don't be stupid. Okay. So you tell everyone, Hey, here's a new owner. Here's how to make, here's who you make checks payable to, and here's the address to send them to. And yeah. oh, by the way, we're doing ACH. So. Yeah. And I would, yeah. So I would try to transition them to technology. And so somebody's not, you know, writing a check to you and putting it in the mail. And then they could say, oh, well, I, I mailed it last week. I, I don't know why you have it. How do you get them on ACH? Do you have to include an ACH form with that notice? Yep. Yep. And you and say then, mail that notice, yeah. you mail the ACH form in? Yeah. And the, the nice thing now is that there's so much technology. There's a lot of these firms that have property management software will have the functionality that will enable, you can set up a, a website for your property for your, you know, four unit apartment building. Oh, that's even. okay. So you've done, well, maybe that's a good segue into the whole property manager thing. So, so assuming you, well, maybe you tell me like, so do you have a property manager set up before you close essentially? Well, so it depends on the size of the building. So if it's if it's a four unit, you know, apartment building that you yeah. you just bought yourself, you're probably Which is gonna awesome. Have to, good it's for you. Good for you. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's how I started too. Start small. Four more units than I have. <laughs> you probably are gonna have to be the property manager yourself because that's not amount of, not enough money to support a a manager that's making any kind of reasonable money. Right. But, you could find somebody in the unit and just ask them, hey, for you know an $200 off of your rent. Uh, can you just collect the rent and kind of, you know, keep an eye on the place? Well, yeah. What's my a, eyes and ears? What is a property manager's responsibility? Like what are all the things that they're required to do or that they do do? Yeah. So it, it, once again, depends on the size of the property for, but for the most part, their responsibilities are being the eyes and ears, collecting the rent, enforcing rules and, uh, scheduling vendors, Right. To make sure that the property is being, you know, up maintained yeah. and is looking nice and the, the rent's being paid and the tenants 
are not, you know, going crazy with, uh, you know, jacuzzis on their, on their patio. And you don't allow jacuzzis? Yeah. Strangely enough. So no. glad I don't live in one of your parks. Yep. So, and, and just to be clear, you're saying there are, there are not property management firms that will service sort of small two, four or six unit buildings or, or you can't no, find them or no, it's usually just, that's just a one-off person. That's not going to be a, an employee. They're just going to be, you know, they get a discount okay. on their rent usually. Okay. So assuming the property can support a property manager, I mean, what kind of revenue per year do you need to be taking in on a property to support a property manager or a, a property management company, I should say? Yeah. I mean, people vary on this, but you know, if you have 50 units, you definitely can do it sometimes with 20. If it's a, a big enough market right? the rents are in the thousands, you can get away with it. Gotcha. Okay. Right. But you need to have, you need to be able to pay this property management company generally a couple thousand dollars a month. And, and what percentage yeah. of the total rent do they usually take? Function of volume, right? So the bigger, the lower percentage, okay. the bigger the deal, the lower percentage they'll take, right? Because they're sure. getting absolute dollars that uh, are much higher. Sure. But the range is generally kind of, you know, three for a really big deal to 10% of wow. gross of gross rents, not, wow. you know, before expenses. Gotcha. Uh, so for if, a very small deal would be 10. Okay. So quick math, assuming they want to make a couple grand a month and that's 10%. So that's what, 20 grand a month. So, you know, a couple hundred grand a year minimum of income coming from a yep. property before it makes sense to have a property management firm. That feels about right. Okay. But in lower than that, you just have somebody in the unit do it. You just yeah. knock on somebody's you door got, and you're like, Hey, congratulations. You well, just got 200 bucks off your rent. Exactly. And somebody will probably do it until they burn out because they don't like knocking on doors or you don't feel like they're doing a good enough job. But you know, you just kind of have to make it work at that level. And, and again, you do all this ahead of time. You do this before the closing, you line up the property management firm. I mean, you can get away with uh, doing it a few weeks later, but the, what you'd want is the current property manager, ideally to help you with the transition. If you don't have this person already hired, mm. uh, cause sometimes you want to, you know, if it's a small building, you want to notify all the tenants and say, Hey, uh, by the way, uh, we also have an opening for a new property manager. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. So if, if there's an existing property management company or even a person on, you probably just keep using them, right? Not necessarily, right? Uh, One is if you're buying this property because it's, you know, it's underperforming. Grossly underperforming. You <laughs> you're, you're doing it, a terrible yeah, job. Yeah, it's just a nightmare and you're going to come in and uh, you're going to change it. You're so going to you, fix everything. So you have to fire that property management company. Is that yeah. you, Do you make that call? Totally. And it's not, uh, you know, the, it's not as painful as it might sound. They're not your employee. Uh, and they're used to this, right? It's like they're used to a revolving door of owners swapping out managers because it's a tough, it's a tough business. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, okay. So you notify the tenants that there's a new sheriff in town. You do not include your picture on that notice. No. Uh, you don't include your cell phone. And then you, you make sure you have your property management firm lined up and they'll collect the rents and, and, and schedule sort of the, the vendors. Okay. That makes sense to me. What are the, some of the things you need to make sure you're, you're doing once you've, once you've acquired a real estate property? Yeah, we're getting into the real basics here, but it's important. You got to change the utilities. You yep. got to put them on your name. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes total sense. You know, I've had this happen before where the, you know, normally the seller will give you a, you know, a grace period, right? They just got a big check. They're happy. They normally will give you a grace period before they're calling the water and electric company. Just say, shutting it off. Yeah. Sh shutting it off. And I've had... Literally the day of, I had a, a day of closing, the guy waited for, and he got a $5 million check. He waited for the wire to come through. The second the wire came through, he called the water company and the electric company and shut it down. And, and we did, did, did they shut it down immediately? They did. What? In this That's market, crazy they did. To me. Yeah. In, in a lot of markets, there's a grace period. Like California, they're not going to shut down your water that they same day. They shut the water off? They shut the water off because it, it was a smaller market and, you know, they had been burned before. 
by you know new owner, so they just did it, right? So then, what? How so did you find out he had done? Did he? Because the tenants were freaking that, out. That's he didn't even tell you he was doing it. No, he just assumed that we would, you know, we were going to put our, the utilities into our name, which wow. we were going to, but we were going to wait a day. <laughs> what a great first impression! <laughs> no one could take a shower for the first like twelve hours of your ownership. I mean, it, it wasn't that dramatic because most people had gone off to work and, uh-huh. and we got it turned on like an hour and a half, but it was a, you know, it was a dramatic first hour. You know, of all the things in that story that are interesting to me, like the most fascinating to me is that a utility can move that quickly. Like that, I'm impressed. Whatever utility that is, is <laughs> good job. out. Who, where is that? Is that Topeka? No, that was in Columbus. Columbus. Just outside of Columbus, you Ohio. You guys are so efficient in Columbus. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, okay. So you get, you get the utilities in your name. So that's like water, electricity. Yes, um, the street lights and uh, what else? Uh, yeah, so you put the garbage. utility. Yeah, and the property taxes. You need to make sure that the property taxes are going to go. You know, get mailed to you and, and you not go that? to the prior owner who might just throw them in the trash because he's like, I don't care anymore. And does the, does the county not automatically get notified when there's like a transfer of ownership? Or very, you, very good counties that are diligent. Like yes. Colum- Columbus would Columbia, be on this. They'd be all over <laughs> Columbus this. Columbus would nail this. They'd probably call you and say, hey, I just want to make sure that you know. <laughs> there's that. like a person in Columbus whose job it is just like, hey, look, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations on your recent sale. We're going to leave the water on for 22 more minutes. But man, we're shutting this thing off at 11 a.m. sharp. <laughs> don't screw us. <laughs> Yeah, no, so yeah, good good counties will make that switch. Bad counties, they just, well, you're responsible for figuring this out. And so yeah, we've also had that go- happen where it's like, you know, I, I feel like we haven't paid the property taxes on this this In asset. We years. haven't got a bill. Uh, what's going on here? Gosh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I mean, you got to chase it down and like, oh, well, we're late by a month. Great. That's a bummer. Yeah, and again, these counties don't like it when you're late on their property taxes. I imagine there's a penalty there. And that's there it is. In Columbus especially. So then, uh, okay, so then you, okay, so that makes sense. So you've got the keys, you tell everyone there's a new owner, you get a property manager, you uh, transfer the utilities, you, you, you transfer the property tax information. What else? Anything you else get you have the, to do? You get the website up. You, you make sure okay. you make sure that you got a new telephone number, right? Or, or you keep the existing telephone number that the prior owner was using and have that ported over. And you, so you got to call the phone company. That, yeah, which is a bummer. Utilities and that, that. That's a bummer. It, it's it's more difficult than you would think to transfer a phone number into your ownership. And again, are you doing this like... Well, you do ad- this because, you know, maybe the owner actually did a good job of like they have ads or they have an existing website and there's so the, that number is out there. So you don't have to promote a new number, right? Yeah. So that's why you might want to do that. Yeah, especially if he has like 1-800-like-cool-park... <laughs> You know, something cool just property, yeah. Yeah, cool manufactured housing property. Okay. So, um, what else? I'm assuming, what if you, what if part of your plan here is to like go in and actually improve things or do things differently? How, when do you start? How do you do, how do you go about that? Yeah. So this is super applicable in this market because if you're just buying things and not planning on improving them, you're probably not going to get a great return. <laughs> you're going to lose money. Right. This is, things are pricey right now. So you're coming in with a, ideally a capital improvement budget. You're coming in with a plan on what you're going to do what you're going to spend to improve the asset so you can increase rents or increase occupancy. So that might just look like a simple spreadsheet or it could be this lengthy document that, that has itemized all the, you know, the, the materials and the labor and what you're actually going to do uh, with the schedule of when it's going to get rolled out. And how quickly do you typically start work on something like this? I mean, do you, do you give it a couple of weeks to let people, you know, settle into this new ownership and that just rock their world 
Or do you like just day one, you, you, you bring in the like jackhammers and you just start Yeah, so I've done all of the above, Yeah, right? And I started off like giving, you know, probably way too much time before starting. Yeah. Because you're just like, I'm the acquisition guy. So I was, I was super fatigued yeah, once you close the deal. Yeah, I'm well, like, you had a lot of wine at that closing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to the beach for a couple of days here. Yeah. But ideally you want to hit the ground running because this is especially true if you are going to be making a rent increase. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So it's like, if you live in a mobile, if, I guess if you live in a multifamily or a mobile yeah, home park, live anywhere and you get a new, you get a notice that there's a new owner and then the next morning there's like jackhammers, like, you know, your rent's going <laughs> to, you know, you're going to be paying more soon. Well, if you get a notice that there's a new owner, almost without a doubt, the rent is going up and, and the tenants know this. They can, they intuitively, even if, you know, they, it's their first rental. They, they get it like, okay, new buyer probably paid more. This jackass. Than the last guy. going to raise our rent. His property taxes are going. I mean, they, they get that usually the new owner raises the rent. Yeah. And that's kind of how the deal works. And they're just totally cool with it. They are not <laughs> they totally just, cool. They with welcome it. you with open arms. They usually they throw you a potluck. You know, it's funny. Uh, Surprisingly, you get very few complaints. Really, uh, and but we're well, how much? Are you, how much are you raise in price? Like five percent about it. No, lots of times it's it can be twenty percent if oh it's way God. under market. Gosh, you are just a capitalist. I mean, through Stop and it. through. Stop I, I it. love it. I mean, well, look if they've been getting a, a huge discount relative to market, then look, it's time to come back to reality. Yeah, the, we, the party is over. <laughs> <laughs> But that's going to enable us the, the to jack, the jackhammers. That's going to enable us to keep, you know, the property maintained. And look, our property taxes are going up, right? When yeah, we buy, because we yeah, have debt a new, now. There's a new sort of valuation or basis on the property. Right? Exactly. And lots of times, the prior owner, maybe he, he or she owned it for 30 years, and they don't have any debt on it. So it's there's not really an yeah. incentive for no, them to I, raise yeah. the rent that much. It's I more know. of a hassle for them because they don't want to, you know, Bob and unit 2a complaining about the $20 increase. No, of course. And, and one of the, one of the basic investment theses of all these private equity deals that I'm looking at as you go in and you raise prices, you know, it's like literally day one, you're like, all right, what can, what can we do to add value? Well, we can charge 10% more. Yeah. Can you name a business that doesn't increase its prices? No. I mean, think about this. Walmart like, maybe. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Costco. Salmon. Costco. Salmon yeah. has gone down at Costco over the last five years. No, that's a fascinating tidbit for the listeners. <laughs> Just so you know, anyone out there who's a salmon fan, go to Costco. Yeah, but think about Disneyland. Think about Netflix. These these companies, like this year yeah. alone, they raised their yeah. prices 15, 20%. Yeah, that's a fact On of life. The, the annual pass at Disneyland, literally they raised it like 18%. We still pay and it. I pay and I pay it. We still go. As fast as I can, I pay that thing because my kids would revolt if I didn't. Yeah, we'd lose them. Um, okay, cool. So what, okay, so we got the capital improvement budget. So you get going on that pretty quickly. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, look, it softens the blow a little bit if, oh, you're, you know, you as the tenant see, oh, that the roads that had the giant potholes in them and, and the driveways when I'm pulling up every day. Oh, look, this owner is actually doing something that's, about that's that. That's a good point. They're going to start seeing value and create in the yeah. property. And they're like, all right, this guy has pride in this this property. Or lots of times with apartment buildings, you're, you're coming in, you're you're slowly renovating the units, right, in order yeah. to get a, a market rent. So you'll come in in a vacant, you'll take the first vacant unit, unit you take your crew, they go through there, they, they upgrade the kitchen, they upgrade the bathroom and the fixtures, carpet paint, right? Then they lease that one and they move on to the next one. And so they kind of incrementally improve the property unit by unit. Uh, and that way you can kind of buy materials in bulk and so you can save on labor, uh, but you're slowly improving the property, but just seeing that activity 
at the asset makes people feel better about a rent increase. No, that's a good point. People people are excited about change and, and well, <laughs> not all change. Not all change. But, it, you know, improvements to the property and their living conditions going up. I think that's that's cool. Yeah. And you just got to be reasonable, reasonable about it. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, so 20%, yeah, that that is a big number. That's really big if your rent is $2,000 and you're in California. But if your rent is $500, right, then it's less, it's less impactful. It yeah. doesn't hurt quite as much. Yeah, and then you um, you do get rid of the swimming pool, though, right? I mean, that's isn't that just like day one? <laughs> the swimming pool is just a liability. <laughs> I feel like in any of these properties, you know, we've never done it. Oh, okay, yeah, but that's, there's that's certainly a, owners that do. They're just like get rid of the pool, bastards. get rid of the basketball court, which you yeah, know, any, anything that people can get hurt on. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we don't want that. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm actually you know come around to I I think all those amenities are are pretty important. You just got to increase your insurance. Yeah. Okay. And then, so okay, we've handled, we've covered a lot of stuff now. What about assuming you have raised capital to purchase this property and you have investors, what are the things you kind of need to think about with them sort of immediately after closing for the first few weeks, months? Well, you got to tell them that they bought a building. <laughs> hey guys, guess what? Yeah. We did this. We actually did it. Uh, then you got to make sure you have their, their addresses or ideally their banking info. So you can send the money to them. Yeah. That's what they quickly. want. And, uh, you know, generally quarterly, is pretty standard on distributions. And then in terms of actually calculating the numbers, right, you know, all that stuff, you know, I'm assuming you do that. Or, I mean, are there firms that you can outsource that to? Yeah. I mean, most of the time the math is pretty simple on this stuff. So you could do it in Excel or just by hand, right? But if you have, you know, larger property or you have a lot of investors and you just don't want to deal with it, it's not your jam, right? You're not a numbers person. Then you can, you can outsource it to a CPA. You just give them, okay, here's my... Uh, Here's my cap table, right? Here's all the people that invested in this deal. Here's the the preferred return that we we promised them. We told them they were going to hit, and they can do the calculations and, and and even cut the checks if you let them. Gotcha. Okay. So then, uh, yeah. Look, this doesn't. None of this sounds sort of insurmountable or like crazy difficult. So I feel I feel like I'm more excited now about potentially going out and buying real estate because I realize that after the closing dinner. Um, it's not that bad, right? I mean, this is, this is all doable. Yeah. And this is especially true if you're buying, you know, apartment building and it's big enough to hire a really professional management firm. Yeah. Then it's almost, you know, once you do all the stuff, like we just tick through and, and there are the ones who are actually implementing it, but you're, you're going over it with them. But once you set this plan in place, then they take over the wheel, Right. And you are the one who are collect, who's collecting checks. Yeah, you know, look, you, you, I think you know where I'm going to be going with this comment. <laughs> but I just think, you know, when we buy a business in the private equity world, it's just that's like the real work is just starting, right? And then you got you know, you're going in, you're managing people, you're you're putting in changes to the business, you're growing the business, and it's like, again, I, I just cannot help but feeling a little bit envious that um, once you buy a piece of real estate, it's um, it doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> Yeah, well, the bigger the the better from the management standpoint, generally, because you know if you if it's a small property, yeah, there's you, you could get it right. You could get a manager that just doesn't care. And most of these firms, you got to keep an eye on them because they don't have the incentive that you do, right? Their incentive is okay. Well, we're going to make you know four percent on gross revenue here, so you know maximizing occupancy and and making sure you're watching every nickel. You know, yeah, they're they're incentivized to do it, but not a ton. Not like you are. Wow. So you do you can't just go to sleep. Yeah. Is yeah. that your phone? Do you need to get that? 
It's probably a tenant. Uh, yeah, it's true. Somebody who they got somehow your cell phone. found my number on some random website. All right. Well, hey, this is great. I appreciate you enlightening us on what happens after you close a real estate property. I'm actually um, this. This all seems pretty pretty doable. Hopefully, this demystified a little bit of the owning a real piece of real estate for the folks out there. I think we were going to do like a little quick closing thing, right, Brad? Oh, we were just going to remind everybody to write a review. Come, yeah, come online. Please do, do that. Do it in iTunes. Just write a five star review if you like it. If you don't like it, just don't write anything. Yeah, and we know we know how annoying this is because you're probably listening to this on your mobile phone as you're shopping or you're driving. And the last thing you want to do is remember to write a review when you get home in front of your computer. But they're probably mid lift. They're, they're probably jacking <laughs> yeah. up, you yeah. know, three, 300 pounds right now. You're swole in the gym. But yeah. uh, if, if you do think of it and before you go to bed tonight, maybe <laughs> think of us, think of us and write us a nice review. All right. Well, good luck out there. I hope you all find it smooth sailing once you acquire your first piece of real estate. Thanks for listening to the alternative investor. Since you've made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.